Hello everybody, this is Antonio Rojas from the Host Talk Podcast. If you haven't heard already, there is a big DC United supporter and Barra Brava member named Rob that has supported his community and at this moment he is fighting cancer. I would like to see the soccer community help out the same way he has done. So DC United, Fairfax Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery has teamed up to help out big time by auctioning off 16 tickets for one suite for the DC United game against New England Revolution this Friday. So if you'd like to help out, you have until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on July 11. So go to Twitter at FairfaxOMS and start the bid. All will go to help Rob in his treatment. And if you'd like to help out in other ways, please go to his personal Twitter at NFFC65 or at Sarah Kalassi for more info and other ways to help. So now, enjoy the show. I had to do my little intro thing, so. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Simply Soccer. I'm your host, Michelle Hooting, and I am here today with Antonio Rojas with, from Host Talk. Uh, he's got his own pod, and I'm here with Jamie Bacon. You all know her. She's, I think I'm I'm repeating her on this pod. It's only your second guest spot, Jamie. And then Christian, I think I'm repeating that hoe. So That's welcome. Right. <laughs> oh, this is, this is already, this is already a trade wreck. <laughs> wait, 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 you just started? Yeah. What, 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 are, what are we doing for like the past 17 minutes um I, that was bonus content and you're the editor antonio because uh, i have basic skills and garage band so <laughs> on a 2012 laptop so if you would like to send donations to michelle hooting i'm on venmo and paypal <laughs> oh lord she, she means if we you accept find don- if you want to Put donations to her go to tinder and trying to find no how things. dare you no do you understand my instagram dms and my twitter dms are gross on a regular day please do not lie to people that i'm on tinder i don't need this in my life so, so, so shall we talk about some uh because i'm actually not on tinder but uh, okay cracking my beer open wait oh dang come on <laughs> all right wait, wait you're not drunk yet there we go. All right. I thought you were drunk already. Nah, this is also... that scene when you were getting prepared. What are you drinking? <laughs> I got a Heineken. Nice. Because I'm because my last name's Hooting. I'm Dutch like that. I'm the Dutch lock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like you all to know that I am drinking a Budweiser, which is now an official sponsor of the NWSL. Oh yeah. So you got Luna bars too there. <laughs> and in my other hand, I have a nice heavy pour of whiskey. Yeah, sponsor of Jamie. <laughs> I forget which whiskey I poured. That's why. I didn't tell well, you. that's fine. I'm sure that yeah. I was gonna I, say, yeah, Heineken, you could sponsor us now. And uh, I'm drinking. Got over there? Yeah, I'm drinking a Relay IPA from Third Street Brewing Company in San Diego. Mm. I'm not drinking nothing. I don't drink something. What? You're the one who got us drinking on this show. There's three hey, of us. I- Hey, I didn't say for you guys to drink. I was like, oh, well, yeah. because now it sounds like this is like a alcoholics meeting. <laughs> so, it's, so it's our normal tailgates is what you're saying. Yes. Well, that's all it is. Yeah, of course. Except now yeah. we just need Axel to barbecue. So 
I mean, if they hear the first 17 minutes that we recorded, I'm screwed anyway. So let's (laughs) talk about soccer. Yes, let's actually do that. Um, Okay, yeah, thank you guys for coming on. I am so thrilled. Uh, Obviously, Jamie's got wonderful opinions about the World Cup, and that's what I've got her on here for. And Christian's joining us finally back from his pilgrimage in Europe (laughs) to tell us about how he watched the women win live. Yeah, um, it was an absolutely incredible experience to be only on. Uh, that stadium was absolutely gorgeous. It was miserably hot, but um, outside of that, I mean, it was a fantastic tournament. Um, I really think going into this World Cup, a lot of people were saying that it was going to be a turning point for the women's game and, and the tournament in general. And I think it didn't disappoint. You know, there was not really a lot of matches that were, you know, the I, I, the only blowout I can really think of was the 13-0, which, you know, the USA-Thailand match. But Outside of that, a lot of matches were very closely contested. You know, there was a lot of drama at every phase. It was a fantastic World Cup, and I think it's going to be a, a a good stepping stone for the next kind of evolution that the Women's World Cup will have. So I, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that I was a little bit, um, had doubt that the U.S. women were going to um, win the final. Not that they were going to get there, but then once they beat, oh, uh, I think, yeah, France wasn't scary anymore, and then England was kind of in. So then I was like, all right, no, we're taking this. It was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but we talked about it. We talked about it, you and me, Michelle. And I know I've talked about it with Christian numerous times. Whoever won that USA-France matchup was the team winning the entire tournament. Yeah, that's right. No matter who they faced. I'll disagree on the the France point, though. Because I think France was was good, but I think a Dutch team that played France, you know, straight up in – in the way that the Dutch played versus the way that the French played, I think the Dutch would have given them a really difficult time. I think the but think the, about the mindset that the France that the France team would have had had they beat the U.S. That would is have been true. A completely different team. That is true. That is true. I agree with that. That would have been wild. I mean, okay, what do you think about like VAR and the calls that were made as well during <laughs> during the tournament? This is why this is an explicit episode, in case I wasn't clear to everybody after the first 17 minutes of this. VAR is bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in the final, I think it was VAR was used in the correct way. But outside of the final, I mean, VAR, it was absolutely ridiculous for most of the yeah. tournament. Yeah, a lot of the calls that they made, too, like, you know, that would never have been, you know, a yellow in a men's tournament or something. So it's like, what are they even doing? But I think VAR revealed something, the way the way that VAR was being used in this tournament and the way that we look at VAR just in general is I think VAR is revealing that if we're going to have VAR in the game, the laws of the game are written with such a subjective nature because they know it's a human being that's refing and human beings are going to see things differently. Mm. So if you're going to have VAR, you can't have the laws of the game being so open and, you know, subject to interpretation of individuals. You have to then go back and write these laws of the game so much more strictly in order to close the gaps that VAR is kind of sitting there saying, well, uh, to the letter of the law, this is wrong, but then you have the referee having to interpret again at like, it, 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 it reveals the, the fault right now and the loss of the game, I think. Well, and I think a big issue with it, too, is that all of this should have been ironed out well before the World Cup. They shouldn't have been playing friendlies or any kind of, like, fake tournaments without VAR. Referees that were going to be in the World Cup should have been using VAR for a long time because all of these refs are just taking it, I don't know, this is, I guess, let's 
do this or try this and and you know getting a lot of too intense and too nitpicky about everything and taking away like the purity of the game absolutely a lot of these a lot of these refs at the domestic level don't have vr because their domestic leagues just don't have the financial ability to implement var into these stadiums so this is their first experience with var and it's at the world cup like at least in the men's side of the World Cup, like some of the leagues had VAR, some of them didn't, but like there was a general understanding of how VAR works. For a lot of these referees, they, this would be their first time ever being around it. And you could and that's tell. That's unacceptable. Absolutely. Can we talk about changing the rules of VAR halfway through the tournament when it comes to keepers on their line? It had, it, it was, it had to be a course correction. Like they, I, there was just no way they could have – that was the only thing they could have done to save face, I think. But- but the way that they, the way that I understand the rule was they changed it to where, in regular play, it's still a card if you come off your line, but in a shootout, it's not. Well, they kind of had to change it because otherwise, a, a, someone could have gotten sent off in a shootout because of a second yellow. But you could have easily had, with all the PKs that were taken in this tournament, you could have easily had a goalie sent off on yellows within three games. Yeah, that's true. Like it's the dumbest rule, and even Hope Solo. And look, I, I know people love her, hate her, whatever. But even she, the best keeper to ever play the game, said that quarter of an inch is not helping you one bit. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the point. I do have a question though. Like, what is that about Hope Solo? Like sitting up, like she is Cersei Lannister. Like, glaring oh. down. Like, nobody <laughs> seems to have been able to answer all of this for me. Like, what's the salt? What's the tea? Spill. I mean, she she feels hard done by U.S. soccer after a history of behavioral things that U.S. soccer, you know, slapped her on the wrist for and then finally said it isn't worth it to have in the player pool anymore. And mm. she was she was also, by the time she was kind of out of the team, she was 34, 35. She was getting near the end of her playing career. And she still thinks she's the best goalkeeper in the United States. But, like, when it goes bad for a goalkeeper, it goes bad. And it, it could have gone bad any minute for her. So, I, see. I mean, she's never played again since she had her surgery on her shoulder. That is true. She didn't even go, she didn't even go back to um, Seattle. She so, just had her surgery and retired. Well, I don't think she thinks she's retired. but Well, I think nobody wanted her back. But That is true. That's, that's what I was there. Mm-hmm. I just – I. Matt props to her for being kicked off out of the U.S. system and going to work for BBC. Uh, right? She, she had, if you listened, uh, the BBC did a fantastic uh, daily podcast out of the World Cup. And I'd always bring her on for every U.S. match. And just the salt that she seemed to be sowing into the ground every time she was on that daily. It was incredible. All right, I got to look that up now. Um, I do want to get into the tactics of this final, yeah. Because I think I think there were some interesting things, especially from the Dutch perspective, that went down that I think shaped the final and made it into what it was. Mm-hmm. And mainly, that was the change from the Dutch going four three three to the Dutch going to the four two three one in order to play a little bit more defensively. But it also involved moving their best, arguably their best player in uh, Daniela Van de Donk, out to right wing instead of having her play at center midfield. And Sat Mediama, who is averaging about a goal a game for the national team, into the number 10 role where she was generally ineffective. So if anyone wants to go through that, I'm more than happy to do so. I will say, uh, Christian and I are very, 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 very hard on Jill Ellis. Yeah. I think 
once we got out of group and maybe not even until England, I think once we hit the England match, she finally figured out actual tactics and it worked. And it was I agree. crazy that I didn't hate her. Yeah. But, uh, against England, the way that she started speed on that side to, to go against Lucy bronze, to mess up bronze in that entire game was perfect. I think, and it's I think the, that I don't hate her right now. I think, I think the England game was a bit of a turning point in terms of the next few years for the U S women's national team in terms of this is what it's going to be. They're not afraid to take on these kind of teams head on and say, you know, like the, the, it's the, it's not going to be the individual skill that gets us through anymore. It's actually going to be, we are a team. We know what we're doing as a team. And we're also going to allow that individual skill to shine in the context of tactical knowledge. Absolutely. So you see Jill Ellis staying as our as our coach, yeah. She she also at least stayed in the Olympics. Yeah. She well, yes, anywhere. absolutely, she will. She'll get, the, she'll get the Olympics. I think I think she'll get another World Cup just because I think it would be unless unless she personally receives a job offer or something that she prefers. And I know she's she's indicated she wants to coach at uh, at some level in the men's game, preferably in England. Um, but I think outside of her receiving that kind of offer, I I don't see her going anywhere over the next four years. And I do think that the U.S. women will make those Olympics. I know that they say that that no team that's played in the World Cup has made the Olympics, but has won um, the Olympics. Has won the Olympics. Excuse me. Yeah, they, um, they'll, they'll make it. <laughs> yeah, they'll make it. I know it's the U.S. women, but um, and I, I I really did enjoy that interview that Rapino did with uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN. Oh yeah, very much. So. Uh, that was great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I can't I can't wait. I actually, you know, if things can go right in 2020, y'all, let's go to Japan. I, I think it's. I think. Well, I think it's going to go incredibly right for the U.S. in 2020, just simply because if you look at the center midfield, which dominated that game against the Netherlands and, and really pulled the United States through the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. I mean, it's all players under 25 outside of Julie Ertz, who I believe is 27. Like, yeah, they will be back in 2022 or 2023. Like, this is. I mean, the attacking three aren't going to be there. Most likely, I mean, Morgan will probably be there, and Heath might make another go at it. But I, I don't think Rapino has another World Cup in her. Just I, I think what we saw in that final was was a bit of her age starting to show. But you know, Dunn's still going to be there. You know, mm-hmm. O'Hara's probably got another run in her. And you know, this is still going to be very similar to the team that that just took gold medals in 2019. I think it's 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 very much that they're still the favorites in come 2023. So, and I do think that Rapino heard the criticism she knew and and i really love that that she could step it up and put her money where her mouth is you know yeah, i agree um I any know. other oh yeah so talking about the olympics i don't really understand how the qualifying works for the women except for the fact that because they didn't get to a certain spot in the world cup germany and france are already disqualified from the olympics so i have like, a li- how do you even have how do you i have a little bit of info on teams in the world okay i have a little okay. bit of info on that um, as far as the European qualification goes, the European or uh, governing body, UEFA, looked at their schedule and said, between the Euros, Olympic qualifying, and the Olympics, there's no way, or sorry, between the Euros, World Cup qualifying, and the World Cup, there's not enough time in the calendar to fit another tournament for Olympic qualifying. So what they did is they tied oh. Olympic qualifying, because the Olympic tournament is so small for the women, they tied it to World Cup results. So the top three European teams in the World Cup go to the Olympics. The, because CONCACAF doesn't have 
like a Euros style tournament, CONCACAF can therefore have an Olympic qualifying tournament for the women. It usually turns out to be the same as World Cup qualifying, where it's the United States playing like Mexico or, you know, in the final. But um, it's it's a direct qualification tournament for the Olympics as opposed to what UEFA's calendar constraints uh, are what they say they have to deal with. That's just insane to me to think about that your best teams in Europe aren't going because they happen to have to go through the U.S. during the World Cup. Yeah, and there was definitely a lot of European coaches came out and, and, and did speak up against what kind of an unjust system it is. But, I mean, if, if, if the calendar is that constrained, then, you know, they also have, like, a lot of these players still have club obligations as well. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's, they're just waiting for the phone call and we can just throw another tournament in here at any given time. So it's, I, it's not a perfect system, but it, it, I, I kind of get what UEFA is saying in terms of player management it would be hard to fit in another tournament. I get it. It's just still a bummer. Yeah, true. Yeah, so I was thinking you always, too. You always want to, you know, win beating the best competition, not beating teams like Korea. But but I think it also puts the onus on the Olympic Committee to expand the women's tournament in terms of number of teams. Because while women's soccer keeps getting as good as it's starting to get in Europe – more and more of these amazing teams are going to miss out on the Olympics in kind of cruel circumstances because they're not playing other European teams in, in the, in, like in world cup quarterfinals or whatever, there's no guarantee they will. So it does put the onus on the Olympic committee to expand the tournament um, to a suitable size where, where you'll get the best teams in. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, in terms of the final, um, I have to shout out Van Vienendal in goal for, for the Netherlands. I thought she was, I, she, she saved the Dutch. Well, she was amazing. In terms amazing. Of it, I was it, scared after that it, first half. It could have gotten very ugly for the Dutch. Um, if Van Vienendal hadn't been on, on her game, uh, some of those saves were, were absolutely incredible. Which is why when it came to the PK, I was like, okay, I, I really thought maybe she was actually going to go that way. But instead, Rapino scored, of course. Rapino's the best penalty kick, uh, the best penalty taker in the women's game right now. There was no way she was going to miss. Yeah. Um, and then I know, of course, the winning goal was scored by Rose Lavelle. Jane. Rose, Rose Lavelle is going to be golden ball winner for the next four World Cups. Bank it now. She's the best player in the women's you game right now. can't see me dancing around my room right now, but I've been telling you guys this for months on end. Welcome to the goddamn hype train. Yeah, she's got a pinned tweet proving that she said that Rose Lavelle would be the game changer, and she was. Rose Lavelle. She, every goal she scored, every Meg she had, every great thing she did, my phone was blowing up with text messages. You were right. <laughs> you were right. The way, right. the way she sees the game, for me, is absolutely incredible. She's, she's one of those players that can find the pass three passes before she hits it. And it, it will be a game-breaking pass. Like, she's that kind of player. And to have that skill and to have that talent at 22 years old and having it and showing it on the world stage the way she did in that final, I think that was the Rose Lavelle coming out party. And I think we're going to be talking about her for years on end as one of the greats of all time of this team. As long as I'm around, we will be talking about her forever. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, no, if it, you don't follow her on social media, she has great dog content because I think she loves her dog even more than she loves soccer. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I did see that. He's got his own Twitter too, I think. Good, good <laughs> today, for the dog. Today, 
today she tweeted or I think maybe posted on Instagram. Uh, I saw a lot of dogs at the parade. Good job, guys. <laughs> also, I, I do. I do want to give I do want to give a shout out, and I think Golden Ball this year was probably very difficult to award, but it always goes to attacking players, and so Rapino was kind of. I think Golden Ball usually goes to the person who generates the most headlines around a World Cup, which meant you know Megan Rapino was going to win it. But Crystal Dunn, I mean, what a tournament she had in terms yeah. of. I mean, at the beginning it was a bit dicey. It was clear that she was still learning the position. But I mean, the way that she shut down France, the way that she shut down England, and England's wingers are absolutely incredibly talented. I mean, the way she looked in the final, it, Crystal Dunn is, for me, the big winner of this tournament in terms of just showing her her level-headedness to to take a position that's not an easy position that you never play for at the club level. You probably have some experience maybe playing at like a junior level or like in training and they just need a body to be there and to defensively put on a few master classes i crystal dunn for me was was one of the big winners of this world cup in terms of Absolutely. just the way that she she made that her position so i i i don't want her her contributions to be uh to be ignored in this tournament absolutely not i definitely want to get her her jersey the way you know we're all thinking about you know whose name do we want how many jerseys am i gonna buy um <laughs> dunn is one of those for sure she i think it was in the England game she had a tackle in the box that anyone else like it was so risky so scary yeah so clean but I swear like a quarter of an inch the other way and it would have been a red card like Absolutely. it was so beautifully executed she, I mean you her, her t- the the timing on her tackles when I first started really becoming an of it was the France game where she was playing um who's uh the French winger uh absolutely incredibly talented um God, the name isn't coming to my brain right now. I apologize. But she's one of the best players in the world. She plays for Lyon. She's, she's talented. And Crystal Dunn, you know, would seem to be behind the play in terms of where would be breaking into space. And Crystal Dunn would close the gap and make a perfectly timed challenge from coming from behind and still just time the challenge perfectly. I mean, that's, that's incredible and that, skill. And that was one of my biggest worries about her was because you saw in, in some of the friendlies leading up, even, you know, some of the stuff last year, that she, and I know this is a learning curve and, and whatnot, but she just didn't track back. It was, you well, know, it, she's, she, she's she, so fast, but she wouldn't track back. Well, she never had to do so in, in at in club level. She, she's, she's a left winger. They don't necessarily track back that often, you know? But I mean, the way that she would track back on and get back into position, or, you know, if, if Julie had to drop back a little bit, she would rotate in and then they would just seamlessly like, move in a beautiful circle and switch back with each other and blow my mind. I think having the confidence, what she learned in like a year. I think also her confidence in terms of, of, of tracking back and and making those challenges is Sauerbrunn and Dahlkemper for me had a very solid world cup and to have that confidence of, if I miss this tackle, then I know either Sauerbrunn or Dahlkemper, whoever is going to get over and actually, you know, either put pressure on the ball or, or win that ball or, at least provide some kind of defensive cover so I can, you know, get back and, and, and reestablish position. I think that had to be a huge confidence boost for her. Which I feel like maybe this is where I should publicly apologize to Abby Dahlkemper. And I, was, I, I, I was just I gonna was going to invite you to do that. I was going to prompt you to do it, but I'm glad you took the initiative yourself. <laughs> the reason I know Dahlkemper had a good tournament is because I didn't even notice she was on the field. Yeah, agreed. And that's how you know. And on, and and that's not saying that's not like a disservice. Like honestly, the best compliment you can pay a defender is not noticing a defender. If you don't have yeah. to, 
if you don't see them making those mistakes, they're doing their job right. And that's why Becky has always been such an unsung hero because people don't, they, they, they want to see the glory. They want to see the goals. They want the, you know, the big plays. Yeah. And she just is a workhorse that goes in and does her job every single day. Well, we and, did see her. She was the one that was bleeding, right? Oh yeah. She got wet. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I mean, O'Hara also took a, a horror oh, challenge she did. too. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was scary. But, I'm but, slightly concerned about her level of drinking because I'm pretty sure she's concussed. Yeah. That's going to be a concern. Um, but, but also like, but you know, it, it, it's in those world cups where you have that kind of moment, for example, O'Hara, who's been so solid, she goes off oh, all of a sudden Krieger's thrown into 45 minutes at a world cup and world cup final after not really playing on tournament and not being involved with the team for two years. And she goes out and puts out an incredible defensive performance. I think it's a testament to this team that mm-hmm. not necessarily the depth and the, and the depth has been, I mean, there's been inches and inches and inches of paper written about it, about the depth in this team. But I don't know if it's necessarily the depth, but it's also the either the experience or the belief in the team itself that these players can go in and get thrown into uncomfortable situations and say, all right, I'm fine. I've got this. And I mean, Ellie Krieger in the final, for example. Like this, That's, I think, the testament. And what Jill Ellis has done so well has gotten this. If tactically she has been deficient, the one thing I think she's incredibly good at is getting a locker room together to buy into a concept, to buy into one another and to say, all right, if someone goes down, I've got her back and I'm going to prove that, you know, I'm going to do right by her. And I think that that is an underrated, quiet thing that we don't necessarily shine light on a lot with this U.S. Women's National Team. But I think it's the one defining characteristic that keeps it heads and shoulders above any other national program in the women's game. I've had such a great love for Allie Krieger for as many years as I can think back of that right back position and watching her work her ass off to get back to that team, to be there, knowing that she was just as good as O'Hara and could do it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, she fell off Jill's radar for a little bit and I don't know if it's personal things or whatever, but that ball ending on her foot. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I hit my knees in the bar and started crying. (laughs) Because that meant everything. Yeah, I, I think I think in ter- in a in a women's World Cup team that the U.S. had, that's full of incredibly cool stories. I mean, Megan Rapinoe's brother's story is an incredible one. If you haven't read on it yet, uh, ESPN Women had a piece about uh, Rapinoe and her relationship with uh, his brother. Uh, sorry, her relationship with her brother. I apologize. Um, but in a in a team that has like these incredible headline stories, I think Ali Krieger's story over the past three years to come back to the national team and to, to be really an important part of it in this world cup was, was one that I don't think a lot of people talked about. And I wish, I wish more people had. I think that this team is honestly the most special team we've ever had. And I know we probably say that every single time that we win a big (laughs) tournament, but there's just something so different about this team than there was about 99. And there was about um, the last world cup. Like this is just, Mm-hmm. I'd say it's an eerie parallel to 99. As, as it really we, is. We celebrate the 20 the 20 year anniversary. It almost feels fitting that we have a team that evokes the same emotions as the 99ers did. It's just yeah, it's crazy. It's, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like you just feel so much. You know, they they just they they came together in such a great way and kind of what you were saying about Jill and building the locker room and all that is like every single player had a role whether it was on the field or not. Like Ashlyn Harris talked about it on Instagram. She's like, I played zero minutes. I don't care. 
I love this team. Which, which one of Ashlyn Harris's Instagram story moments was this one because there were some real good ones. There were no, really, there this, was really good this, this, content. This was like, um, this was before the, before all the bitch. You know, <laughs> I think before the final, um, just, it was a picture of her hugging Lindsay and just saying, it doesn't matter if I don't play. That's not what I'm here for. Like yeah. I'm here because this, I, this is a team and I'm on this team. And we, and we don't see the work that goes on in the training field and stuff like that, that, that makes these kind of players that maybe don't see the field feel so close to being, you know, part of the team, I think. So. Oh, De- definitely. Actually, I mean, I yeah, I know that was great. No, I was just going to say like, man. <laughs> when I, when I had right. the opportunity to interview um, a, a lot of the U S women, when, you know, they were doing the the celebrations for the 99ers. It, it really was not only great to see the support that they were getting from the 99ers, but also, like you said, like how the team was together. Um, I, I loved it when the, when the 99ers said, like, we don't have any advice for them. They don't need any. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and then we watched them um, it, at that time, you know, with the, with the lawsuit going on, it just seemed like they had just such a long road ahead. And, and it really did seem like not that many people were confident in, their run in the in the world cup but then just to see them not only to uh, yeah you did yeah but like but not only to see them like succeed Sorry. but they went above and beyond i really think that they did i know that everybody's like, it was excessive celebrations for like 13-0 but like you know what get it and uh, the, the, the number that sticks out <laughs> the number that sticks okay you go first the number yeah, that sticks first. out I'm the number that up. sticks the number that sticks out for me is their goal differential, which was 26 to three. <laughs> now sub those 13 goals, it's 13, three. That's still a plus 10 goal differential at the end of a world cup. That is, that is not just dominance. That is absolute, just unheard of kind of owning of a tournament. I mean, that's insane. For me over and over again, especially in that 13, nothing game, people are losing their minds over the celebrations and blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, it's the last game of group. These girls mm-hmm. have been sitting there. They have so much pent-up energy and adrenaline. They're just excited to play. They've been watching every game going out of their minds. And the, and the last appearance they had on an international stage was the Olympics Most of them in 2016. had never even played in a World Cup before. Mewis has never played. Haran, Mal Pugh. Pugh scored the 11th goal. You're telling me because she scored the 11th goal in her very first World Cup appearance, she's not allowed to be excited about it and that her teammates can't be excited about it? Once you start playing in the World Cup, you can talk to me. Until then, shut your mouth. I'm done. Incredibly well said. Yes, incredibly well said. Any other... Okay, well, since we're on the topic of the women, actually. So, yes, bringing a NWSL team to LA Galaxy... Should we petition? Uh, yeah. I, just, I don't, I don't see why. We petition for it, and we petition to pay Servano Carrasco all the money in the world he wants for the rest of his career so that we can bring Alex home, make her our captain, make her our face. Galaxy is ours. Done. Yes. The, the other thing about it. You guys are coming really fired up right now. Yeah, no, that's, hello, that's why, that's why you're here. Hashtag, hashtag content. Um, <laughs> hashtag fired up. The thing, the thing I, uh, the thing I will say is from now on have four eyes with four stars. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say I think the one thing is if if we are led to believe that AEG and Anschutz have the money and the financial resources that they do, then there is no excuse that we 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 do not have an NWSL team at this point in time. And I mean, we have the girls academy. I was just gonna say that we have a developmental academy. academy for the girls. Like, yeah. you know, we, we have a team, we have the Los Angeles Galaxy of Orange County or whatever that plays. It's like uh, equivalent to like USL, I think, but they for play the women? 
Yeah. They yeah. play in Orange County I don't, every even, park. I don't even know that. And like, that's well, something you know that the why? Galaxy should you know be. Because all their games are on Galaxy game days, so I can't even go to them. But, but, the, but the Galaxy should be putting out that kind of information saying, we have this team that's playing in, a, in an identified league in this country. Like, you know, yeah. Here, 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 yeah. And here's what's, what's happening next season. My house. Then I'm just going to get half season tickets to the Galaxy, and the other half I'll just be in Orange County watching the LA Galaxy women play. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? They just they just made the playoffs, so I'm gonna look up what their playoff schedule is, and I'll let you guys know. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. We're going. Yeah, I'm right in. by my house, and we can we can definitely do that. So that sounds fantastic. I want to support them. I've I met some people in the organization, um, ironically at a bar. Maybe not ironically. <laughs> <'cause> me. Uh, <laughs> you mean you didn't meet them through Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> the other place I meet people. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's it's important just to support any women's clubs and, and whatnot. And even, um, you know, Megan Rapinoe was going on and on about it. It's like, yeah, now we're home. This is how you can support us. If you live in a market, go to games, become a season ticket holder. If you live out of market, buy jerseys. ESPN just made NWSL super accessible for the second half of the season, starting on Sunday. Um, I think it's at noon on Sunday, the Thorns and someone, I can't remember, um, but and I'll post that schedule on my Twitter every freaking week for you people to look at. Do but, it, and then I'll yeah, start a NWSL prediction game. Give oh, them the ratings. Buy their jerseys if you're in market. Buy tickets. Like if you know people in market, buy tickets for them. Send them to a game. If you follow Kayla Knapp on Twitter, if you want to go to a Thorns game, she's willing and ready to get you there. She will help you with buying tickets or giving them away or whatever. Support, so, support, no support. It's the there only way you're yeah. going to get it to grow. Jamie, Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with nine teams. Jamie, Jamie just took the rant out of out of my out of my mouth, so I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm going to call this excuse me this episode no excuses. So yeah, <laughs> no. Excuses. Speak, speaking of no excuses, let's talk about what's coming up on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> LA Galaxy versus San Jose. Uh, the Smurfs. Earthquakes oh. at home. Scum. The, the Smurfs. Gotta love them. Um, I'll tell you, as somebody who made the away trip, I'm really glad I got so drunk I didn't actually see the game. Yeah. Okay. I'm. This was my first time missing San Jose away in 10 years, and having watched the 90 back, I am really glad I didn't go. Yeah, even I didn't watch. Um, I went to Senespia instead to watch yeah, Reality it was, Bites. <laughs> it was an epic trip. It was a horrid game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but I think I think but it's when was the last time we won over there, though. Uh, I mean, two years ago, two years. No, yeah. we won two years ago. Well, so before we had really, really bad seasons. Well, no, that was that was the highlight of the 2017 season for me. Was oh, okay. Oh gosh, the only highlight. Excuse me, I time traveled for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, well, I, apparently I, I forgot <laughs> what year we were in because I yeah, time goes so fast. 2019. Oh my god. Um, I will say I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, GBS approaches this game considering that Antuna and Jonathan will both be back. I, I obviously Jonathan walks into the team as a starter, but I think it's going to be interesting because if you saw that, I mean, watching that game, Efron Alvarez is ready for the big time. Like, yeah, he is against Toronto. He showed that uh, it's time to start him. So now yeah. we're we we're in the enviable position of having a bit of a logjam at you know a few positions. So but it's going to really be interesting to see how GBS kind of manages a couple of positions. 
Not every position. I mean, yeah. You, no, put you, Antuna, you put Antuna on your left wing. You put Efra on your right wing. Boateng never sees the field again. Yeah, true. <laughs> I was just thinking that that's the person that all, we could spare. Five foot six of him. He's not five. He's not five foot six. There's no way he's five foot six. No, five nine is what the Wikipedia says because Pavon, who we think is coming to LA Galaxy, it's not official yet. Um, but it says Michelle, that he's five six. <laughs> I can hey. edit Wikipedia right now to say Emma Boateng is six foot five. <laughs> so, so are you accusing Emmanuel Boateng of going on on Wikipedia and Instagram or uh, sorry? Going on Wikipedia and editing his own Wikipedia page to say that he's taller than he actually is. Anybody can go in there and do that. He so you can have his friend do it. After he slid into that girl's DMs and she denied Dude, him. Dude, I thought about that. But I think it's I, I I think this is now the time where we need to really start looking at GBS and his player decisions, considering that he's got this team, I think riding the ship a little bit. And we knew this was gonna be an up and down season. It's not a complete roster. It's about two years away from being a complete roster. So this is now the time where we're going to start to see the groundwork of what's to come in the next two years, I think. And it's these kind of games where he's got to go out and he's got to win these kind of games. And I think if you look at it and you, you know, if, if we go by the rule that whatever's Lawton wants, Lawton gets, then there's no reason why Efra isn't starting. That's true. Lawton said, I want this kid on the field. Yeah, he did. He said that he's and, the best and, player that and, we have. You know, to steal from Chris Tucker, every single time Efrain Alvarez comes on the field, he makes Zlatan look better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. So why so, wouldn't you want him on the field? So then the question then becomes, if moving forward, Pavone comes on, then there's going to have to be a sacrifice. Does that mean you know, Roman Alessandrini's days are done in LA. Cause I, I'm, I am of the camp that I think they are. I have to agree with that. And, and I went on and said that, you know what, I've got to choose my team over any individual player. And I can hear uh, Jamie bleeding a little bit right now and we'll let her talk oh, no, in a second, I'm, but Oh no, you're okay. I'm living in a week of heartache on um, personal levels. So I'm totally accepting the fact that this is probably a thing. And okay. Pavone's going to make this team significantly better considering the fact that I think, there's a, sure. there's a working relationship with GBS. He's been around GBS a lot. And I think GBS wants a guy or two in that locker room that he can look at and say, I've been around you. I've worked with you. I know the type of person you are. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And I think that's, I think that is partially driving this Pavone signing is that he's, he's familiar with them. And I think we could predict that, especially in the long, like when we are thinking next season, we are thinking long-term, you're thinking about um, GBS getting his guys in. Yeah. I mean, uh, Benedetto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, as much as, you know, we love Alessandrini, Alessandrini loves his club, he loves Los Angeles, he's passionate, he's 30 years old and is coming off another surgery. And two, knees, yeah. two, two, knee surgery, two knee surgeries in the span this, of 14 months. Yeah, even, between, even before this surgery was just out every other, you know, every other month with a hamstring or this or that, so... Yeah. Yes, I love him, and my heart will will be sad. But again, you know, going to what Michelle said, it's 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 about the, the it's about the crest, like you know, it's about what's on your chest, not what's on your back. So. Yeah, I'm tired of not 
It's a being able to because well, see, for me, I get salty. It's not just about winning and stuff, but it's like I'm tired of people talking shit about my team. And it's like when I know that they can be good, when I know that they can be better, and we hold them to a higher standard. There's a can of worms you can argue when we're talking about. There's a can of worms you can open about a certain player on the team when we talk about it. it's not about the name on the back it's about the crest over the heart <laughs> but that's a discussion but, for another listen, time yes and no but could it possibly yes be a no. six five swedish dude oh you mean urba himovich urba. Uh, i love that, that hey, man. i don't, about his crush, about her I don't crush, think you know, urba has ever threats. said anything bad <laughs> good god He's, yeah right that's true Oh my gosh! But I think yeah, I mean. I mean, it is. You know, I want a cup. That's that's these, what I want. And if it, yeah, these, 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 these next these favorites, then we say bye to fan favorites. These yes, next and I want two more weeks. Silverware. These oh. next two weeks, are, in terms of the silverware kind of discussion, these next two weeks are going to form the rest of the season. I think it it is it is a damn shame that MLS scheduling has both of our biggest home games pretty much back to back. But MLS, it's MLS. MLS is going to MLS. Um, but um, I think these – it feels weird to be in July and look at the July and August calendar and say this defines our season. Like two yeah. weeks. So it's, is it's it good. though? Because isn't that Bruce Arena soccer right there? And, yes, I know we're so far removed from Bruce Arena, but, like, we still think in that mindset. We do. Nothing I think matters I, until after the All-Star break to us. Well, that's, no, but also – but Bruce, Bruce but, Arena – but Bruce Arena soccer was also wasn't necessarily about you know, but he was getting results before the All Star break when he was a head coach. Oh, you mean not losing to Columbus? Well, there's that. Um, but I think, or- but no, but it was more the fact that Bruce Bruce Arena ball was he could take a team that was not that good in the playoffs and somehow drag them to an MLS Cup final just simply because of his tactical ability or tactical like strategy, which was you know score a goal and then play defense for 90 minutes. I think this is a little bit different uh, in terms of like the up and down results that we've seen all season. And I think this is, Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I think two, two losses could really crush all sorts of kind of mentality and morale in the locker room. So I think, I think if they can get four points out of the next two weeks, I think it's going to be huge. Agreed. And then I also was just thinking like to take everything seriously, if we're doing this super leagues cup, like just like we should have taken open cup seriously. Well, no, everyone boycott this game. It's a why, why take it seriously? There's grab. there's no reason it's to take it seriously. There's no point to it. No, you're right. It is a money grab, but I'm, just saying, I'm not going. There's no, no I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. The, the reason I don't take it seriously is there's no qualification process. There's no sense of to get to this tournament. You have already like achieved something. Basically, MLS picked four teams that like random basically throwing darts at the board said, where can we make the most money out of this tournament? It's, it's not it, – there's I'm no – I'm pretty sure sense. they just took teams who were already out of gold cu- or open cup and said, oh, you have nothing better going on. Here's another bullshit game for you. Mm. Yeah, it's it, – yeah, no, I'm not I, – I, I, and the timing of this is inc- – and, and also from a Galaxy perspective, even if this was a tournament that had some kind of clout and, and, and meaning, it falls at such an inopportune, awkward time in the Galaxy's calendar that I, even, even if we were – uh, even if, as Tuklosa said, we take all competitions seriously, let's be real. There's always going to be something that gets triaged. This game well, would have gotten triaged no matter what. So four, it's, day, it, four days after LAFC and four days before we play in Portland. Yeah, I know. It would have gotten triaged. Yeah. Okay. Hell, hell, <laughs> hell if we'd been in the Open Cup and we'd got 
Well, if we had been in the Open Cup and we gotten that far, I think we would have triaged the Open Cup semifinal. Yeah. Just because the fixtures came too thick, too fast, and it's in MLS is about managing your roster, and sometimes you just have to sit there and say, "Oh man, I got to take an L." Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, for me, what it was is just trying to play to be the best. You know, like I said, that's like well, I know that it, the scheduling and, and why and it is a money grab, and that's why they chose it. But I still think of us as LA Galaxy Kings of MLS. You know what I mean? And and I was looking at it from that standpoint of like let's let's show people that this isn't just a t- retirement league that we can actually play. But uh, but I totally think that you're right that. We gotta we gotta focus on the regular season games, and if we gotta put a B team for that league, I'm fine with that. Especially considering the the league games that are in that stretch are so critical to the Galaxy this season that yeah. it's yeah, I mean, you you, you kind of have to sit there and say yeah, we'll take that L. But in all and seriousness, yet, oh yeah, I guarantee that Zlatan starts that game because it's a big game against the Mexican club. Mm. You can't see my face right now, but it is not a happy face. Well, and I was also thinking, like, like you said, with with Zlatan, I just I don't even want him going to MLS All Star. I want him and Jonathan Dos Santos to be like, we'll get suspended. Like, I'm not doing sure. that. Like, sure. yeah, but if they get suspended, then they miss Atlanta. Oh, hypothetical, okay. hypothetical thought experiment here, because that game is four days before Portland. Wouldn't you start with Zlatan because Zlatan said he doesn't like playing on turf, and so Zlatan you probably you probably wouldn't care about turf. He said earlier this year he will play every turf game. The reason he didn't want to last year was because he was coming off of his surgery. But this year he's healthy and he'll play all turf games. He's already mm-hmm. played turf this year. Thank oh, you. Tony, you still here? Yeah, he's he's here. But uh, I messaged him to make sure that he was still alive. Um, and he just said that you know that it was this was all us, the Galaxy, the the women's tournament. Yeah. Oh. So okay. That's fine with me. So he's but, like our producer right now. I like. Yeah, that. he's our producer. And yeah, our stay, quiet, stay quiet in the corner, Tony. You're good. <laughs> with your with your water. Damn, now he's gonna edit you to look so bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I make myself look bad already, so it's no. fine. <laughs> no such thing. Um no, okay. Previewing LAFC. Because we will get on after that. But I have like zero confidence to beat them. Not because they've it's scored. LAFC, but it's because of what's been going on. They've, they've outscored their opponents 11-2 to in the past two games. They've been absolutely fantastic. I think, I will say, I think they haven't played in those two games. They didn't play teams that necessarily were going to offer resistance. And I think we're in this weird part of the MLS calendar that happens every year where these kind of blowouts happen with more frequency just because injuries pile up and international absences pile up and, and guys are tired because they've been playing in 90-degree heat and on commercial aircraft afterwards. So I don't know. I don't read too much into the midseason blowouts, but I think if if the Galaxy play at a, at a level that I think that they can achieve, which I think we saw a little bit against Toronto on the floor, yeah, yeah, I agree. They will give LAFC issues. The problem is what LAFC is very good at is what the Galaxy are not so great at, which is kind of in transition defense, and the Galaxy struggle in terms of transition defense. That's going to be where this game is won and lost. Do you want to know why I think we will, at the very least, draw that game? Yeah, I was thinking we'll draw it, but... What? I, I, I have a one-one draw. But we will... I think we will win it, and and I'm stealing this from other people, but it's the truth. Yeah, we'll the, the best teacher is you. We're going to throw an endnote in, because she's citing another source, so... Check in the, <laughs> check in the, check in the show notes. I just... 
I only cite Chris Tucker always. <laughs> okay. And Riot Squad, because that's who you also Lata write for. shows up in big games. That's the only time he cares. He wants it to be the Zlatan show. He's going to make it the Zlatan show. Bicycles against the that is why. That is why I think at the very least we draw, but we win that game at home. I'm going to conservatively say a draw because we've been a very good team at home. But we're going to win. We've been a better road team lately, though. Yeah, no, we've been a better road team because, like, the the home performances where we've won, we've looked the better team. Calling it a 2 1. Hey, let's get. We, we gotta get through. Made it through the Smurfs. And I was gonna say we gotta get through San Jose first. Well, and, San Jose, I, I, I think we'll win at home. I do. I, I, I think three-one. Matias Almeida's got that team humming. It's gonna be pretty tough. I think a two-one win for the Galaxy, but it's not gonna be easy. I'm calling San Jose three-one. I'm calling LAFC two-one. We win both. We take uh, six points at home. Here for it. Two-two-one against San Jose victory, and I'll take a one-one draw against uh, LAFC. Look, I'm shooting high, man, but I believe in you. I've, I've, look, you were right about Roosevelt, so. <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's going to be, I mean, two, two very different games in terms of style uh, between LAFC and San Jose. I mean, Matias Almeida is kind of all press, you know, 10 v 10 kind of press style, which he's finally got that team really believe in, believing in. And he also, I mean, he unlocked Tommy Thompson and Tommy Thompson's been kind of the player we all thought he was going to be. Um, so that's going to be an interesting test. But I think, I mean, with LAFC, we know what they are on the 10. They're a fantastic counterattacking quick team. And Carlos Vela is having a season to end all seasons. I think the Galaxy are going to have to be a little bit tougher in the midfield than they have been against LAFC in order to at least get some semblance of possession. But I think if the Galaxy keep possession pretty well against LAFC, I'm, they're going to have their chances. So I think... I, I'm really curious to see how Perry Kitchen matches up against the midfield. Because as of late, that guy is our best midfielder and i know that's more really than being out in the gold cup and whatever but like perry kitchen has just been i don't know what happened to him i don't know what they did to him what they like injected him with something or what but like where did he come from i think he's finally confident again because i mean if you look he's, at what if you look at what happened i've been waiting for well if you look at he's playing now as the guy that i was excited that we signed if and I wanted to interview him and ask him why he'd done so well, but he didn't stop to talk to he, us. So he kind of, yeah. he kind of, I think he's finally got his confidence back a little bit. Because if you look at what happened in Scotland, he he had a rough time of it in Scotland. I mean, he was at Hearts of Midlothian. He was a hero there. He was captain of the club for two years. He was beloved in that town. And they fired their manager, got a new manager, and the manager just kind of overnight stripped the captaincy from Perry, sat him down, and basically didn't tell him why. And I think it just killed a lot of his confidence because here's a guy that's flying at the top of his you know, game. He's captain of a European club, which, you know, even though it's the Scottish Premier League, it's still a European club, and that still holds a certain level of you know, mystery to American players. And then he's basically kicked to the curb and said, all right, go back to the States <laughs> inexplicably. So I, I think he's probably been suffering from a little bit of that kind of just – I. I got kicked in the teeth after, you know, at the highest point of my career. It, it, that's got to be hard to come back from. I think that and just, you know, he came in and he wasn't really the guy and injury and whatnot. And, and you know, even with, uh, you know, rest in peace, Siggy. But I think that he just wasn't the right coach for Perry. Mm-hmm. And, Agree. and, and uh, you know, between Dom and GBS, I think that you've really found the people that can find what he needs, you know, get into his head the right way and, and encourage him and build him. And 
And Don Kinnear, Don Kinnear is incredibly well loved in the locker room. Because oh, no, let's no, let's, like, let's not forget, hero. let's not forget, Ibrahimovic said in terms of the next manager after uh, Siggy left the position, he said he wanted Dom Kinnear for a year or two, which He's that's that's high praise. That's high praise for for the guy. I'm really glad that we didn't keep him as the manager because I think what he does as an assistant is far better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he has more of that one-on-one with a lot of guys and, and has that ability to really work with, with people and get them to the level that they need to be at. Whereas if you're the, the head, you know, you have to manage so much at, at once that you can't necessarily be like, hey, I see you struggling in this. I'm going to work with you. And this is going to be our thing until you're, you're ready. I agree 110%. So I'm, I'm, exci- I'm excited that he's still in the organization. I think he's doing great things behind the scenes for our team and – God, I can't wait to see Perry Kitchen against LAFC. Yeah, that's going to be great. Well, and a, a couple things that got me thinking while you guys were talking was, um, you know, Escaloto, when we were having our losses, um, you know, I was holding him accountable. And, and without – okay, obviously Jonathan is is our midfield. Like, he, I felt like, again, we have an individual player carrying an entire team. Um, Zlatan's going to Zlatan and, and, and wait up there up top, you know, for the ball to come to him. And uh, now with Efrain, like it, it does really help, um, even with uh, Fabio now too. But I just kind of felt like the lack of creativity, the lack of you know strategy, the offense, um, the defense has always been something that we were all been struggling with. Um, but you know, I was holding Escalito accountable for not for 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 the yeah the lack of creativity and, and lack of offense, even though he says that that's the kind of play that he likes, you know. I mean, but I think, I but say, I think, I think you bring in Fabio Alvarez to be that creative, to take the creative burden off the midfield almost. And no, I don't think I mean, he's gotten he's as settled man. in yet as, yeah, he's he's a fantastically talented one. I just don't think he's settled in to the level that he needs to be just mm-hmm. yet. It, ta- I mean, it does take a while to get used to MLS and the schedule and the, the United traveling. States in general. Yeah, <laughs> all stuff. But I mean, yeah. to go back to talking about like you know the the defense and whatnot is is. I mean, even if you were starting our horrible defenders like Shelvick, mm. we have not been able to consistently start the same back four basically all season. That is true. I mean, you're looking at injuries uh, with mm. your starters and then with your backups and then your backups backups sliding into different spots and then your center back playing left back and right back. And I mean, it's like nobody ever gets to be settled and, and find their pairing. I mean, I think when you, when you finally saw – Steras and Polenta play a string of games together in that in that center back position. You saw them find comfort and playing well together, and I think that's kind of the biggest issue with our defense is we just and it's something that that's always been an issue with like the U.S. national squad is none of our coaches ever play the same back four. So how do you ever expect them to find a rhythm and find comfort and be and you know you haven't played with this guy before? How are you supposed to trust him and know what he's going to do? I agree. So I think I think now that Gold Cup's over, now that everyone's back, now that pretty much everyone's healthy, I think you're going to see um, a better showing going forward from our defense. Yeah, I, I think so. The, and I think at least I, in the center back and right back position, I can't speak for our left back. And I think I think <laughs> Araujo is finally kind of taking the mantle at a very young age, which I think is very impressive. He's 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 very much impressed me in terms of his defensive solidity. I think he reads the game at a, at a higher age than he actually is. And I think his well, growth. Has it. Manchester United is scouting him. Oh, great. They can take him in two yeah. years time. 
Yeah. So I'm not sure about all those rumors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rumor, rumors are rumors. They're fun to talk about, but... Oh, they are. But hey, I mean, the kid's, what, 19? Let's build him. Let's sell him high. Let's keep him two, three years. And then, I, like, Al Marone, sell him out of there. That's true. That's true. I agree 110%. I think... I think I think we're getting close to what we expected with the defense. I still think we're missing one or two pieces. And I think that's going to help when we remove Shelby's contract from the books uh, next year. So. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, you did um, mention gold. Cup. Did you guys, did you go uh, real quick before we get into that? Oh yeah, for sure. That, that, uh, uh, Rolf and, uh, Shelvick are back on the, the pitch for training. No, I didn't see that. I'm happy for Rolf. Rolf uh, I thought Rolf I had think, a better. I thought Rolf I had a better 2019 than I think we've been giving him credit for. No, for sure. I don't have an issue with Rolf. Um, I think that's that, again when it comes to defenders tracking back. I think he's one that doesn't always mm-hmm. because he does like to play a very high right back position, almost like a right wing, uh, right midfield kind of like that Yedlin hybrid. Yeah, yeah, agree. But, um, but uh, I saw – I think they said he, he could be ready for Friday. I didn't see anything about Shelvick being ready. I just know that he's back at training. And then um, – What was Shelvick's injury? Delmi posted that Jet should be training probably Monday or Tuesday. I have no idea. Probably his ego. <laughs> <laughs> Turf toe. Um, he didn't like that Triori came in and took his spot. So he was like, I'm going to go cry in a corner. Hmm. Oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, sorry. Gold cup. <laughs> yeah, gold cup. This is what Antonio has been waiting for. So the three of us are U.S. national team fans, and then uh, then there's the enemy over here. Um, <laughs> but uh, oh Did yeah. Did you fall asleep, Tony? Yeah, sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> oh, what, what happened? Sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff for Nintendo right now. Uh, I think it's, I think we're recording a podcast about Mexico right now. Yeah, now we're talking about Gold Cup. Well, I'm I'm like writing about the Nintendo Mini stuff. So. I'm oh, okay. Well, cue the Vicente Fernandez for you there that you've been waiting for. <laughs> cue it up. But did this Gold Cup really teach us anything in terms of what we didn't already know? We knew that the United States was not even was not there yet in terms of comparing to Mexico's B or C team. We just we knew that. Yeah. So like Gold Cup taught us that Concacaf is always going to get what Concacaf wants, and that even though the people and the people are me wanted Curacao to win it all or Haiti to win it all. CONCACAF wants their moneymaker. So no matter oh, what happens in a game, it's always going to end up being Mexico-US final. Because you're not going to yeah. make money if it's not that. Because who's going to go to Soldier Field in Chicago to watch Haiti and, and Jamaica play? That is true. Yeah. I, I mean, from a US perspective, I, I don't think we learned. I mean, we learned that the US is the We second. learned that we're very bad and that CONCACAF made us better than we are. We're, and we'll I'm be, done with Burhalter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a little bit more positive than that. I think a, a sky is falling kind of mentality on this, and I understand that it's been it's been years or a year of just very bleak kind of existence as U.S. men's national team fans. But I think I mean I think we learned what we already kind of knew, which is that we're the second or third best team in Concacaf right now. We 
are in this weird generational gap in terms of talent. And I don't know if necessarily it's going to be Bearhalter who's going to fix it, but I think it's just a question of it, 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 it's going to take time. And, and we're still not, we still haven't hit that time where we can start feeling like, okay, maybe we are a better team than we thought. I mean, the one thing that the question that I have is in, in terms of Bearhalter, and it's, it, it, it is one that kind of boggles the mind is, like Jesse Elster is your best striker. Anyone with a, a, a decent soccer IQ would notice that. So then why isn't he starting? It kind of hurts to say that. I know. <laughs> so it actually kind of hurts to say that. Why isn't he? Why, why is why is Zardis starting over him? Because look where Bear, Bear Halter came from. That is true. Where Zardis plays. But I don't. I don't. It's his boy. Uh, yeah, true. But and then I mean, also with uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Tyler Boyd was the other kind of big question for me. It's like who you know kind of thing. But Tyler Boyd was the best player for early parts of the Gold Cup and still. Welcome to U.S. soccer. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It just didn't fit right for a lot of the the coaching decision making. What I learned is that Michael Bradley is still only good in Toronto. uh, That he will do nothing but back pass. And that Weston McKinney will die for this team and he will kill for this team too. And he made he made he made errors at like a twenty year old, and I think that's that's perfectly fine and acceptable to be honest, because that's what you need to do at that level at that age. Is sometimes you just need to make a mistake or two, and he did. But I like the that. way I like the way that he came in though, and he was ready to go to battle for Josie when Josie was getting uh, beat up. Yeah, West, every, a lot of people and are saying around the team that Weston is that player. Red card, and that the ref was standing there holding McKinney back oh my while God. a Mexican player had a hand around his throat. Yeah, not a red card. Slots on got two games for that. Red cards were worse. (laughs) Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean it's 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 conca cap. Yes, (laughs) that ref was bad on both sides. He missed cards on on US. He missed cards on Mexico. But like to me, that one was so blatant, and the fact that the ref even had his hands on McKenny as well. It's conca cap. You're expecting. You cannot expect. Like even ref or not like not even but consistent. Sorry, consistent's a better word. You cannot expect consistent refereeing in our federation as 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 frustrating as that is. Well, and especially against the U.S. because it's literally everyone against them, uh, against the U.S. Like Concacaf refs do not like America. It's just how it is. It's always been that way. I don't think Concacaf refs like you know soccer in general, considering some of the way that they ref games. <laughs> yeah, I think they're probably better Sorry. suited for uh, NFL NFL games, but you know. I, I, but I'm just I'm just thinking back to to World Cup when uh what was it Costa Rica played Brazil? Oh God! And Neymar just kept getting hit, and I was like, "Welcome to Concacaf, bitch." Yeah, I do remember that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but but I was thinking, you know, the Galaxy fans in us are proud. Uh, Antuna, Antuna. I, I am so proud of Antuna. I mean, that that, yeah. that he, would, he came out of nowhere. He kind of came out of nowhere too, in terms of like on the Mexican national team level. Because if you look at his his previous kind of history, I mean, he was floating around the youth teams, but he was never kind of the guy that was really talked about as a really exciting yeah. prospect moving forward. And then, I mean, just you know sometimes sometimes you need a chance, and he got his chance. Do you know why? Because he's not going to get his chance playing in England. Do you know why he got his chance? Because he plays for LA Galaxy. That is true. Yeah, is absolutely why. And honestly, I mean, the greatest thing is he wasn't even supposed to be on the roster. And then there was an injury and he was like, maybe going to be the replacement. But then that guy was like, oh, I'm healthy. Then there was another injury. And they're like, hey, Antuna, what are you doing? <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to be there. And he two, was two o'clock, the tournament. <laughs> two o'clock text, hey, baby, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> Seriously, what you need. I mean, 
and again, like as a U.S. fan, I, you know, that game was dumb. I was already in the middle of my hangover from the morning game. Couldn't even drink my beer. Couldn't eat food. Wanted to die. <laughs> Jonathan scores a goal, and I'm like, Yeah. Uh, bring it home, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> It's coming home to LA question mark. <laughs> like score at home, but don't ever do that again against my national team. Yeah. It was like you said, we knew that it was gonna go down like that. But it's that. like, you know, if it, if 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 Mexico had to win that game as a Galaxy fan, I would much rather one of our players do something beautiful like that because I want both of them to come back with that confidence and just jump into this game on Friday and next Friday and just fuck shit. Up. Antuna, Antuna's out for blood. Antuna is out for blood, and I'm excited to see him. It like kind of unchained a little bit. So, <laughs> never mind. That was not going to be a nice thing to say. I'll say it off air. <laughs> oh, okay, All right. write it down so you don't forget. <laughs> and uh, okay, forget. Antonio, your your Mexican team won the Gold Cup. Come with the Santos. How do you feel? Hmm? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm still writing here. No, Antonio, how do you feel that your team won the Gold Cup? Mm. <laughs> oh, you're not going to, like, make us remember and, like, rub it in now? No, I feel the same. You know, it doesn't mean anything now, especially now that uh, uh, the confer- – uh, pretty much doesn't mean nothing because of the Confederations Cup is no more, so. That is true. I mean, it's like, woo, we won it, great. Just like put it back in the uh, back in the truck. That's it. <laughs> They're in the truck. Although, although I don't know if you saw how Concacaf once again, like all within a year, has changed the rules like eight times on how qualifying works. Oh yeah, they changed. The, uh, they just now, announced the uh, World Cup qualifying Gold today. Cup, Gold Cup now is heavily weighted in uh, World Cup qualifying. Yeah, because now they they switched it from uh, just the hex to it being the hex, and then a knockout tournament for. Uh, one through six are in the hex, and then uh, seven through thirty-four, depending on FIFA ranking, are now in this in this knockout tournament kind of thing. It's it's it's, it's so stupid. It is so concacaf in the way that it is so convoluted, unnecessary, and dumb. And it is well, so. To me, it's, it's, <laughs> to me, I don't understand why they even brought in like Nations League if they were just going to go ahead and like change the rules again anyway. I feel the same way. It's pretty much when I saw it, I was like, this does not make sense because you already know. Your typical Mexico, USA, Costa Rica are gonna make it. Panama, your top ones. Everybody's yeah, gonna fight. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Number it's four, really no- bad for Canada. Not that we care, but like, it's really bad. Number for four, number four in the hex will always get the half spot just because they're going to play a team that is not that good every single time. If at that point, why bother having this knockout well, tournament? Why are you still playing Oceana? Uh, uh, playoff against Oceana? It rotates. Oh, I think. I'm I think it's something crap team from Oceana. Like, yeah, you're gonna win. Well, well, here's the thing. All you need is some some team like let's say uh, Panama go against Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. Of course, you're gonna get number four, number five, whatever spot in this for that. I'm like, the fuck. Even you go against Thailand, you go for that. You'd be like, oh, if I play, you know, this t- um, nations that don't know how to play, I'm gonna be okay with the hex. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? It's, it's that? it it devalues the hex, and it's it's it's. Yeah, it, it 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 sucks. When they originally restructured and 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 brought in 
Nations League and we're playing things a little bit similar to the way that Europe does it, I was excited because this was going to give chance, like teams like we talked about earlier, like Curacao and Haiti and, and El Salvador and Guatemala, like all these smaller countries that, you know, haven't been able to make it up because they have to play four rounds before they even get to play a big team. It was going to give them a little bit more even footing in, in this whole qualification process. And now this whole thing just puts them back in the ground again. Like you might as well yeah. just say, here's the four teams that we picked. Yeah. And it, it's going it, to be the same four every time. It's yeah. It, it's, it's, it's so unnecessarily convoluted. And also it just, it devalues every, every, every initiative that you've been putting out there to try and get uh, some, of these, some of these less powerful <laughs> nations, like much more reps in order to get like their national teams up to the speed that they need to be at in order to create a, federation that is considered one of the world's elite they've just basically undone all that work with this and it's it's just it's so it's it's stupid i didn't know Concacaf could get any more Concacaf but they did just you wait they all they'll always find a way they'll find a way trust me they'll find i a know way. i'm disillusioned i just keep thinking you know it can't get any worse right that's that's the worst question you can ask yourself. <laughs> well, I know because today it got announced that it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait until later on. Just wait until later on. Oh, oh they'll change the rules again before October. You just wait. Oh yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Oh, just wait. Like, hey, we're about wait, to start. No, wait, wait, uh, wait about maybe a year. They'll say the first two teams, the two um, highest FIFA rankings, are going to play one match, and it's like everybody else going to play, and we we always going to get Mexico and USA. <laughs> Playing to see who's gonna go to the World Cup, and it's like, wow, that's really so yeah. crazy. They're gonna host. They're gonna host it at the Rose Bowl every year, and Kaka Cap's gonna get 99 percent of the of ticket uh, revenue. That's what it does make me think about flashes. I just have flashbacks. Nothing to shady about that in the world. Oh my goodness! There's Good nothing God. shady about Kaka Cap. What are you talking about? Oh no, Kaka Cap is a perfectly run organization. Yeah, it's it's the greatest. How dare UEFA think they're better than we are? Like the, they don't have. Corruption? No, they have corruption scandals. They don't have a horribly <laughs> convoluted way of qualifying for the World Cup. This isn't FIFA we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I was thinking. We're like, who scheduled the women's final and the Gold Cup all on the same day? Hey, Concacaf is responsible for that. Oh, they didn't know. They literally said it was a calendar mistake. They didn't check the calendar. Like no one bothered. Well, I don't want to fix it. You couldn't fix it? I'm sorry. What was happening on Monday night at Soldier Field? Absolutely nothing. It wasn't like it's Chicago. not football season. It's not, it's not like the Chicago fans were even going to go watch the Bears anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, mostly, uh, I say this. I, I just don't know. I mean, right now, if whatever, if USA wins, if, if, let's all be honest. In, in what, two more years, there's another Gold Cup? If you say win it, are you going to be like really satisfied knowing that? No, not, not particularly. Mean, not at all. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean nothing now. It's I'm like, going to be like, cool. I, I like shiny things, but it, it, it's. We want it. That's it. Yeah. It's like, it's like saying. What's the 2017 wow, felt like? No, if, if, um, I'm going to make this comparison. It's mostly like saying, oh, we won the supporter shield, but we haven't, but we haven't won the cup yet. Yeah. Agreed. I 100% yeah, agree. agree. Yes. Totally agree. I'm like so. I'm like so. What's the point? I'm like, there's no Confederation Cup. That what is supposed to be there now is gonna be the FIFA Club World Cup now. I'm like yeah, so. It's... What's the point now to play these? Yeah, I I, I. I I said I. One of my theories that I wanted to do, like one I want to do, is 
have North America and South America play like, you know, uh, Copa America and whoever wins that cup gets a free uh, first round pass to go to the World Cup. That way to make it more challenging. Yeah, and also it also it would it would it would kind of put pressure on the South American teams to look at the like the North American teams in a in a fairer light because they realize every match against a North American team would count so much more than versus playing against their rivals in in South America too. So, I don't, it's the it's it's the way that soccer is moving and it's moving into such a focused kind of world around how much money each confederation can make and it's a comparison of gate receipts and, and profit rather than, you know, making things that are sensible for the game. It's, it's frustrating. That's, that's what breaks my heart because like this truly is the beautiful game. Like it's called that for a reason. Mm-hmm. And all these federations from FIFA all the way down are just ruining it by it being money grabs here and money grabs there. I mean, look at like the dangerous situations of having the world cup in 2022 in, in Qatar or Qatar or however you want to pronounce it. And, you know, people dying of slave labor and FIFA just walking away with money in the bag because it's pretty much going to what November, December. They have to yeah, and, it, and it's going to be a Winter Cup. Also, they even said uh, that I I, I want to say the regulation amount of stadiums they're supposed to have is like eighteen or something like that. They said they'll maybe have ten. And and yeah. most and most of those stadiums are already are like are going to be built in cities that don't even exist yet. They haven't even started building them. Like, and it's... that's the problem. That's why they said they won't even have them. You could have it in California alone at yes. colleges and be fine. Yeah. But yet you want to go to this country because these oil people gave you all this money. That's disgusting. That's that yeah. corruption. Absolutely. At its finest. Well, wow. We're going we're gonna to do some serious medical conversation here. Well. <laughs> Get another beer. Simply soccer. It's not simple just, after all. I'm still looking for Michelle's Tinder so that at least I could be happy. Bruh, you will not find me on there. I wouldn't go into that petri dish cesspool of human I just, waste. I'm going to create her one You couldn't tonight. pay me. Oh, God. I'm going to create her one tonight. No. Like, all over. <laughs> Jamie, you know the luck that I have with dudes on a regular day? Like, please. <laughs> Girl, I would never pitch you on Tinder. I know, oh, and I was like, yeah. I know, oh, I know. Okay. She no. Are you kidding? Jamie would be the first one to regulate and crush a dude for me. She would. She would. That's <laughs> why I mean, so nobody I mean, approaches me at the stadium. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just uh-huh. like, yeah. Somebody yelled at my friend today, or at least I thought they yelled at my friend today, and I was like, "Who yelled at you?" They're gonna catch these fists. <laughs> she lives in Portland. I can't actually punch the person. Not but yet. I would. <laughs> it's an hour and a half flight. You, yeah, you can do. do it. Oh my. Uh, maybe in a few weeks when I'm up there, if I make it. I don't think I'm gonna make it. Oh, oh god. Okay. Don't tell anyone I'm not gonna make it. This isn't going on air, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Guys, oh, I ran Lord. out of money. I don't think I can go to Portland. Oh, is that one? Is that all? <laughs> uh, oh man. Did we cover all the material? I think we did. I think I think we I think we 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 did it at admirable pace considering this we conversation did. kind of been about four hours long. Guys, you didn't even <laughs> give me three hours to talk about the moment that Roosevelt stole Millie Bright's soul. <laughs> oh, it was so, oh, it was so good too. I mean, that's what this platform is for. I didn't sign off yet. <laughs> I watched it about seven or eight more times today. Also, I think it was Fox Soccer that posted uh, a like 
pray for the souls that were megged or whatever. A compilation? Oh, yeah. Hilarious. I mean, there's some good Brazil action on there. There's some good Tobin action on there. Uh, Obviously, it ends with uh, Rose taking Millie Bright's soul. But it's really funny. The As they meg him, the little souls go up into the air. It's great. <laughs> I have to watch it. It's great. God, I love Roosevelt so much, you guys. <laughs> so much. Welcome to it. Welcome to it, world. <laughs> I'm here she's for awkward, it. but she's great. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So yeah, we can definitely talk once uh once once we get off air once uh, it's safe. Uh, Antonio, let us know. But I'm gonna I'll take this moment then to go ahead and sign off. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to uh, Chris, Jamie, and Antonio. Definitely, we'll be covering San Jose and uh, the LAFC El Tráfico match. So stay tuned, you guys. Thanks so much. Peace.